You're listening to The Tidbit, brought to you by Curate. I'm your host and the CEO of Curate, Kim Bryden. Do you run a small business or have dreams to start one? Well, here at The Tidbit, we've got your back. We talk through tidbits of knowledge around starting or running a small business with a food and beverage lens. The future of agriculture is in innovation. The more we can innovate, the better we can grow our food for the world and make sure everybody's fed. Traversing the U.S. from the Mid-Atlantic across the heartland, it is no surprise that farming and rural communities quickly rose to the top of my mind. According to a market data analysis firm, as of 2023, 97% of U.S. farms reported as family-owned, and yet they make only $350,000 a year before costs. How might we improve economic conditions, growth opportunities, and access to new market channels for our small to mid-sized farmers in an industry that contributes $164 billion to our GDP? This is something as a nation we should care deeply about. Lisa Held, a senior staff reporter for Civil Eats and previous judge for our Curate Courses program, recently penned an article titled, This Farm Bill Could Reshape the Food System. Here are 10 proposals at the center of the fight. The Farm Bill authorizes every five years, and at the time of this podcast release is actively being discussed around a September 30th, 2023 deadline. In an attempt to address that previous question, how might we improve economic conditions, growth opportunities for our farmers? uh, This Farm Bill actually includes proposals such as increased land access for young farmers and helping small farmers access crop insurance. This advocacy and policy while also building community to share lessons learned on the journey of farming is at the heart of our guests role here today. From promoting local crops to advocating public policy, the Arkansas Farm Bureau is working every day to improve the lives of Arkansas farmers. On this episode of the tidbit, we sit down with Philip Powell, Philip is the Director of Local Affairs and Rural Development and advocates on behalf of the Arkansas Farm Bureau and its 190,000 members on agricultural and rural issues. Hey, Philip. Hey, Kim. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really, really thrilled that you're here on the tidbit. And we'd really love to learn more about what led you to this role, advocating on behalf of agricultural and rural issues. So maybe we could start with you telling us more about your why. Why do you do what you do? Absolutely. Uh, I think I have to blame my wife, Emily, for this. I, uh, I, I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama. I did not grow up on a farm. Uh, my wife, however, she did grow up on a farm in Hempstead County, a small town called Blevins. It's just outside of Hope. And um, she's sixth generation to grow up on her family farm. And uh, so when we met, I got introduced to the farm life. And uh, after that, I decided to go to graduate school up at University of Arkansas in Fayetteville and received my master's in agricultural economics. And after that, um, we actually moved back to Alabama and I worked for an ag startup where we recycled poultry manure into organic fertilizer. Did that for about two years. It was a lot of fun. And then... um, my wife, we have a two-year-old daughter, and when my wife was pregnant, she wanted to come back home to Arkansas. So I was looking for something. I wanted to stay in agriculture. This opportunity came open at Farm Bureau, and 
uh, set for the job. And I really think, I, I really love what I do because I could advocate on behalf of people like my wife and her family and myself now. And agriculture is the number one industry in Arkansas. And we and Arkansas is responsible for so much in the ag industry. We help feed the world. And so uh, it, to me, it's important what I do. I believe in what I do. I get to help farmers and ranchers across the state work with their issues so that they can keep doing what they're doing and hand it off to the next generation if they want to. Mm, I love this statement. Arkansas farmers feed the world. Mm. What do you mean by that? What are these industries? So for example, you have rice. Arkansas is the number one producer of rice in the United States. We grow over 50% of the rice in this country. Yes. And then also, I believe, number two or three in boiler production, chickens. We have Tyson up in northwest Arkansas. And so, yeah, rice, chicken, and then there's also soybeans. Uh, there's cattle. I mean, anything you can think of can be grown in Arkansas. And so we do help feed the world. A lot of our, especially rice, rice the rice goes all over the world, especially to developing nations to help feed their people. And same for poultry, it's, it's sold globally. And so, uh, yeah, Arkansas has it is in a unique position to help feed the world. And so it's important that we try to help our farmers of any size to do what they do. Mm, that's really beautiful. I, thank you so much for sharing that. And at Curate, we really work with small to mid-sized farmers. I know that that's one piece of the full breadth of size and scale of farmer that you're working with. Hello, you're feeding the world. <laughs> so <laughs> with these farm and food businesses that we work with who are innovating and adapting constantly to meet this change in demand, I mean, we're just seeing a constant evolution in the marketplace. Where do you think farmers who are at that beginning stage, more like 30,000 to a million in sales annually, have an opportunity in the market and what could our big agriculture do to support our mid small to mid-sized farmers? Well, first off, I think there's plenty of room in the marketplace for these small farmers. Uh, as we saw during COVID, people wanted to look for options that might be closer to home. As we saw, there was a huge supply demand issue. And so people thinking locally. And uh, so they started going to their farmer's market and they, and they got to interact with those farmers. So they understood where their food was coming from. And so I think there's more than enough room for these small to mid-sized farms to enter the marketplace because people are more interested now in where their food comes from. And as for the larger companies, I believe they support that because it's a win-win for everybody. And a lot of our farmers, a lot of that is intertwined with big ag. Uh, so... I know like Tyson's always trying to, you know, Tyson, they contract with a lot of the farmers on the ground. They want to make sure they succeed because if they succeed, Tyson succeeds. So we're, so I, I think that for big ag, there's some parts of the marketplace they may not be able to reach. And that's where these small to mid-sized farms to come in. I don't see it as a competition. I see a supplementing a lack of business that might be there that those companies may not need to go in those marketplaces, but that's where those small to mid-sized farms come in. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's something that we recognized also at Curate throughout COVID and thereafter is 
with a consumer consciousness of supply chain period. <laughs> Just, I don't think many people were aware of the um, intricacies of our global supply chain until it started affecting their home deliveries. And so recognizing they wanted maybe, like you said, something closer to home, understanding where that source came from, either from a transparency perspective or just honestly, sometimes maybe more efficient because it was going to be delayed coming from somewhere else. I think that absolutely, in our experience, we saw that shift starting. And I'm wondering, with your experience working in more rural communities, is that something that is talked about often in supporting like each so, other's farms? Yeah, so I know, especially Farm Bureau, you know, one of the one of the things, one of the best things about Farm Bureau is this, all of the members are willing to help each other out. And that's, that could be, you know, a farmer could go to another farm and say, I'm having this issue, whether it's with a crop or cattle, livestock, something. And they say, oh, yeah, I've had that problem. Here's what you do. or Here's what you don't do. And I think they, that community has always been there in agriculture, but even more so in Farm Bureau. And I know, for example, from my personal experience, you know, we have some cattle on our farm. And when we've had issues, we reach out to our neighbors to see how they address those issues. And you've seen, and you also on a farmer's market side, you've seen a lot of these small towns uh, having farmer's markets. And so that brings the community together. So you may have people that live in town, but they, may, they might not know about these farms out in the country. And so they get to meet their neighbors, so to speak. They're all part of the same county. They all, you know, they pay their taxes. They're all in it together. So I think what you're seeing more and more farmers markets grow, I think that's a great way for communities to come together and help each other out. Totally. We've actually had two Curate Courses graduates, a farm in Searcy and a farm in Harriet, um, who are absolutely that hub of connection for their community and neighbors. And they are also buying from other farmers that are in the area. And so I think that's a beautiful part of what you're doing with the Farm Bureau is you're also building these social capital connections between different farmers who might not always know what else is out there. Or like you said, they might have a, a, a challenge that they're looking to address. And so you might introduce them to somebody else who's had that problem before. Right. And even in agriculture, I mean, poultry farmers and row crop farmers, they all face the same issues because the poultry guys need the feed that the row crop guys grow. And so, and so yeah, that's all intertwined. So when one sector of the industry is having a hard time, it affects all of it. And so that's what Farm Bureau, that's how Farm Bureau helps is when a lot, when these members come together to discuss issues and policy, they understand each other's industry. So then a poultry farmer gets to learn more about what's going on on the road crop side. So it helps create that understanding and that we're all in the same boat together. Because mm, if I don't have that wheat or corn feed, right. what am I going to do for my chickens, cattle, et cetera? Exactly. Wow. Interesting. Are there any things that you've heard more and more often as challenges farmers of any size are facing? Well, right now I can think of uh, with this weather, you know, with this heat in some parts of the state are in a drought. 
themselves harder for farmers to operate. Uh, they, you know, water issues. Um, and then, you know, on a national level, you have the farm bill coming up that's usually discussed every five years. And the, the farm bill has a lot of safety nets for farmers, small and large. So, uh, so that's some of the issues I, I can think of right now. Yeah, ranging from something that's a little bit, I mean, it's both in our control and out of control, the earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what are we doing to make sure that we're, you know, protecting our earth and the planet because of all of the things that are drastically changing in our environments? And then from a policy perspective, too, how do we make sure that we're protected? And that's really interesting. I think as we pinpoint more and more of these challenges, it opens up an opportunity for innovation. And I know that Arkansas Farm Bureau is hosting an innovation challenge. Applications are actually open right now. If you are listening to this uh, particular episode before, what, October 8th, 2023, what business innovations are you excited about? What, what excites you about the future in farming in general? So, so uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I'm excited about this Ag Innovation Challenge. Like you said, this will be our first year. We based it on the American Farm Bureau Ag Innovation Challenge, which is a national challenge. And so what we are trying to do here is to try to find farms and or companies here in Arkansas. They may have a product or service that can help farmers streamline their cost and time. And so... Yeah, as I mentioned, I used to work for an ag startup before I came here, and that company was actually selected as a semifinalist for the national competition. And so, for example, they were taking poultry, uh, chicken manure, and converted it into fertilizer. And at that time, we saw in the last couple of years how fertilizer prices spiked during COVID. And so this was a more natural, sustainable way, you know, chicken poultry, uh, poultry manure is the number one source of animal manure in the country. So how can we recycle that? That's good for the environment because we're taking that out of the environment. It doesn't need to be dumped or put somewhere else. We're reusing it back in the soil, enriching those nutrients in the soil. So that's one example. Um, another one, a company that won last year's Ag Innovation Challenge was a company that, they're based in Nebraska. They built a robot that will go in the grain silo. And it's kind of like a little, um, it's not a drone, it's got, it's kind of like a little mini tank. It goes in the grain silo, it takes temperature readings, it checks the grain, it also helps break up the grain. And that part's important because you'll see you'll see accidents happen in grain silos. People get, the, get in because they have to break up the grain. Sometimes they'll get sucked in the grain and it's like quicksand. The human who's breaking yes. up the grain, might get sucked in the silo. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. So what they created with this machine is they've, re- they've removed the need for a human to go inside. So it's made it safer. So those are some examples. So it, it doesn't have to be... So I've, we're casting a wide net. If you have a, a product or a service, and what I mean by service, if it's something that helps farmers with their day-to-day operations, help minimize expenses... Because, you know, at the end of the day, the population on the earth is growing. I mean, it's growing tremendously. I think we're at 8 billion people. And as I mentioned, you know, we help feed the world. But population grows. We only have so much land. Land does not grow. 
So how do we make the most of our land and our resources? So that's where this Ag Innovation Challenge can help promote some of these companies in Arkansas and show that you know the future of agriculture is in innovation. The more we can innovate, the better we can grow our food for the world and make sure everybody's fed. Hmm. That's amazing. I'm really curious how farmers are, I mean, let me back up and say, I personally believe that farmers are the most innovative and adaptive entrepreneurs <laughs> because you constantly, it's like every day is an experimentation. Every single day, you don't know what's gonna come could have been pests the night before or rain, who knows? Just a million things could be happening on your farm. And I'm curious if there's been a new way of thinking about innovation as you're describing here for someone who has been a generational farmer, like where, how are you talking about this innovation challenge to someone who has been a farmer for so long? Are you thinking about how they might productize something they're doing? Tell me more. So, you know, like you said, farmers have to be a lot of things. They're, they're business people, they're scientists, they're engineers. And so I think when we talk to farmers about this, is that at the end of the day, how does this help you save time and money? How does this prevent, you know, the average age of the farmer in the country is in the 60s now. And we don't know if we have enough people to, that want to take over the family farms. So when you can tell a farmer that you have a process or an invention that can help them save time and money, which means that frees up more time from, for them to focus on other things, like their families, their lives, and, and it also keeps them safer. The more that the farmers can do on their farm, but without having to put themselves out there, I think it's a win-win for everyone. You know, it's, being a farmer is very hard, especially starting a farm. It can be expensive. If you don't have the land, it's hard to get into that. So if there are ways for you to save money in places, then that will help our, will help our farmers produce more and also more efficiently. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the innovation there. Um, and I think that that's a really important framing of what innovation means, because I, again, in my experience, people enter farming, entrepreneurship, small business from so many different walks of life. And sometimes we can feel like, oh no, I'm not an innovator. You know, I, that's not for me, but actually you're innovative every moment, you know? And I think that's really a, a really cool way of framing um, this particular type of application you're looking for. And I'm really, really excited to see who emerges um, from this. And also about saving time and money, I think with the, the point you made around our farming communities getting older and what does it mean for a younger generation? I know that so many entrepreneurs in our network are looking to build a life and not just work output. And so, having innovations and technologies that allow for that. I mean, I hesitate to say balance because there is never <laughs> that in small business, but to have a focus around both your mental health, you know, and what sort of life you want to build um, and not just have it be this one thing is 
it's really important and technology allows us to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and exactly. I mean, you know, your kids see you working on the farm all day and through the night. They might say, that's not the life for me. And, and, but, and, you know, and that's what a lot of farmers face. I mean, I know every time I'm down the farm is, you know, morning to night, working on something, something always happens. And that's the life of a farmer. And it's rewarding, it's very rewarding. But anything we can do to help them make the most of their day and also help them maintain their farm so they can hand it off to the next generation, I think that's a win in everybody's mind. You mentioned you have a farm or work on a farm. What what else is happening on your farm besides cows? Uh, so <laughs> I would say, um, we have, yeah, so... We have a very small herd of cows. I mean, nothing, nothing like what a lot of these guys have. But um, we also have chickens. Uh, we recently got some sheep, which has been, which has been interesting. Um, pigs, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things. I know, I know. And mostly, you know, we're really just trying to feed ourselves and then try to market it. How to grow that? Trying to figure out what's working, what's not working. And you know, it's and it's great. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, when we bought our farm, it's right next to my in-laws, and so just to be there, right with right next to them, and the whole family's there to work the land together. It's very rewarding, and uh, this yeah, so it's simply a a lifetime project. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But I'm happy we have it, and I'm happy my daughter gets to grow up on her family farm, and you know, hopefully. She, she wanted to keep it going if she wants to, and you know at least put the opportunities there for her. Oh, that's beautiful. And I mean, how many of us, again, small business owners, do make this commitment and investment in legacy, right? And trying to build these foundations for a future generation. That's really special. And yeah, you're right. It's sort of like, how can I model the behavior of how fun and cool and rewarding this is so that from an employee retention perspective, <laughs> haha, my kids, you know, right. want to be a part of this moving forward. Um, that is very interesting. Uh, uh, and I do want to add, I know it's a mis- you're talking about big hack, and I know there's a misconception out there that there's so many corporate farms out there. But in Arkansas, ninety percent of the farms are family farms. So it's so people shouldn't think that the corporations own everything. A lot of the farms are still run; they're still owned by the same families. They've been doing it for generations, and whether it's forty acres or a thousand acres, they all face the same challenges, and they all have the same questions and issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I think that's something as consumers, we're not always knowledgeable about that farms are family owned and operated and sell into maybe larger corporations or sell into farmers markets. And that's that family Mm -hmm. farms prerogative to do so. And it's still run and operated by the family, but then they're choosing a sales channel to be in relationship with. Exactly. You know, at the end of the day, most of your food is grown on family farms. It's just a matter of who you're buying it from. And that's where the, that's a great thing about the free market. You can decide if you want to buy directly from them or the 
a big company. But the, the, like you said, there are more opportunities now for growers to sell directly to people. And, it's, and there's more than enough room in the marketplace for everyone to do that. That's really good to hear. I hope that someone's takeaway from this episode, the tidbit that they're gleaning is that it's not a zero sum game, that there's actually an abundance of innovation and market opportunities for all stages um, of farming and farm innovation. So thank you for being just hopeful and illuminating that there is such a breadth of, um, yeah, abundance out there. I have a last but not least tidbit for you uh, that we're gonna add at the end of the show here, which is we are so curious Maybe this is in relationship to your farm. I don't know. But tell us, what is your go-to dish that you bring to a dinner party? That's a great question. And I will say deviled eggs. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I love deviled eggs. And, and yes, I can get my own eggs at the farm with the chickens we have. So, I uh, yeah, I love deviled eggs, especially... I like to mix it with Duke's mayonnaise and a little bit of Creole mustard and a little pickle juice in there. Oh, Creole mustard and mm. pickle juice. That's the, that's a trick. That's, that's my trick. Mm. And then do you top it with any sort of spices? A little bit. Yeah. You could, a little pepper, um, maybe Cajun seasoning. Okay. Did you pick this up from your time in Alabama? Well, not well. Yes, and uh, I'm. I grew up. Well, I was born in Louisiana. My mom is from New Orleans, so the Cajun food, anything like that, I love. And um, yeah, she always made deviled eggs growing up, and my wife makes great deviled eggs. And uh, yeah, the you know Duke's mayonnaise. That's the best mayonnaise in my opinion. And if you're looking for specific Creole mustard, Sadoran's Creole mustard. Mm. Yeah. It's like we should have a recipe that goes along with this episode. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, Philip, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are so thrilled about the work that you're doing throughout Arkansas. And we'll make sure to put in the show notes and on social media where you'll find this podcast, uh, the website for people to apply to the Arkansas Farm Bureau Innovation Challenge. Well, thank you, Kim. And yeah, feel free to share my information. I'm happy to talk to anybody that's interested. And I do want to mention we are, are uh, the Farm Credit Associations of Arkansas is partnering with us on this one because they, under, they understand the need for this. So I would like to say, you know, I'd like to thank Farm Credit for their support on this. And yeah, um, and thank you so much for spreading the word about this. Thank you for your really incredible hard work. Thank you. This is the tidbit brought to you by Curate. We'd love it if more budding entrepreneurs and listeners like you could find out about the tidbit. Our mission at Curate includes the sharing of education and access to resources. And the best way to reach more folks like you is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would be so appreciative if you could head over to your app, leave a little tidbit on there about what you learned here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. And until next time, remember to scale thoughtfully and source locally.